and welcome to worship today. I have just a couple of announcements to share with you before we get going. Uh, today is our congregational meeting, our semi-annual congregational meeting. It will take place uh, directly following uh, the service today. Uh, it begins in the very best way with my very favorite part, with lunch. That's what it begins with, over in the fellowship hall. Uh, everyone is welcome uh, to attend, especially if you are a member of Emmanuel. It is mandatory that you are present. <laughs> We're going to be taking a roll. Uh, no, but you're all invited to attend uh, to see our accomplishments thus far this year and the future direction of our congregation. So I hope you can join us uh, later today. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just uh, share with you, and that is uh, Sunday morning engagement. And what I mean by that is we have several participants besides the worship team and myself. We have people who read scripture, uh, as you will see that being done this morning. Uh, we have people who offer prayers. We have people who will help serve communion and usher and greet and do sound. Our sound people are saying, yes, we could use people. So if you would like to help by serving in any of those ways, you are welcome to do so. <clears throat> you can talk to me. It's very simple, but it's very important. Um, so you can speak with me following the service. You can send an email to our administrator, Anne, or you can go directly to the link that you will find on the page which lists all the participants and go to that link and sign up and participate directly that way. Uh, finally, I would like to share with you, we have two birthdays that uh, we're celebrating in our congregation today. Uh, Christopher Van Gelder turns 22 today. He's fin finishing up his, what? Why are you shaking your head no? Yeah, he is, yeah. 22, <laughs> 22 years old. Uh, finishing up a year of college uh, back in the East. And present with us today, David Peters. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. So we will remember Christopher and David in our prayers today, uh, thanking God for you, uh, the gift that you are to us, Dave, and uh, what you mean to us as a congregation. So with that, I invite you to stand as we begin our worship with our call to worship from Psalm 34. The psalmist bears witness. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. O oh Lord our God, as we come before you this day, as we taste of you, as we hear of your message, as our eyes are opened for another glimpse, we pray that we would see and understand that you are good and that your goodness extends even to us. We thank you and we, we rejoice here in your midst this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Let us rejoice indeed. Let's join together in our opening song.
As we grow in our relationship with Christ, our ability to see the magnificence of God grows as well. I invite the children to come forward for the children's message at this time. Come on down. And Alyssa gets to talk to you again this week. Hello. Good morning, children. Hi, how's everybody doing? Scoot, 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 come in. There's no cooties allowed in here. We're in a safe place, don't worry, no cooties. Okay, so I'm a little bit sick this morning, so hi, Jakey, I'm set, so please forgive me. But I brought something and I attached it to my water bottle because it had tape on it, I took it off my wall. But uh, what is this? A dog, whose dog? Oh yes, this is my dog, this is Roxy. And like I said, it has tape on it. Yes, you do. That was my question, actually. How many of you guys have pets? Yes, yes. Pets? I know you have lots. You have special pets. You have chickens. I don't know anyone else that has chickens. Yeah, you're related. <laughs> and 
And oh my goodness, you have so much stuff. A caterpillar, cats, I have a cat. I have caterpillars, everybody has caterpillars. And you used to have a snail, my goodness. This is so much more exciting than I thought today was gonna go. So the reason that I wanna talk about pets today is because there's, a, there's something that we're going to learn in Sunday school today, and I'm going to take the little ones and the big kids today, okay? Um, so if I have a pet and I'm going to go on vacation, what should I do? I can't take my dog with me. What do I do? What do you do if you go on vacation? You find somebody that wants to take care of them, and what do you do when you find somebody? What do you tell them? How do you take care of this? You, you tell them thank you. Good job, Sophia. Nice manners. No, but what do you say? How do you, what? What did you say? Well, if I left my dog with you, what would I tell you to do? Watch it. What else? Feed it. Take care of him. Walk him. Water. Oh, play with him. Give him food. Snuggle. And a ball. Yeah, all sorts of things. So, the reason that we're talking about this today is because in the Bible, Jesus, before he goes back home to heaven, he tells Peter, take care of my sheep. He says, feel. He's not talking about actual sheep. He's talking about us. He says, take care of my people because I'm going somewhere that I can't take them. And I need you to take care of them. So... What does Peter do? How does he take care of them? Feed them what? Not literal food. He doesn't mean literally feed all the people of the world. The Bible, ding, ding, ding. He leaves Peter in charge and says, take care of them by feeding them spiritually, feeding their hearts, taking care of them, just like you would a dog, just like you would for something that you love. He says, love them, take care of them. So today we're going to talk about what it's like to be sheep and how we get to take care of all the other sheep. How's that sound? Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for taking care of us and feeding us with leaders here on earth. Thank you for making us your sheep and help us to learn and love you and take care of each other. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming up, kids, and thank you, Alyssa and Mitzi. And I invite the congregation to stand as you are able. We will continue with our prayer of confession and word of forgiveness. <clears throat> we begin with a time of silent meditation and reflection before God. And now let us pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, in the words of the psalmist, we confess that we have sinned even as our fathers did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. Have mercy on us, we pray, 
for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, work repentance in our hearts and cause us to turn from our errant ways that we might follow your perfect way. Renew us and strengthen us that we might accomplish your work and carry out your will, all for your glory. Amen. God is good and does not desire to punish you, but to forgive you, to renew you, and to strengthen you for service in his kingdom. Having confessed your sin before God, I now share with you the good news that God has forgiven your sin for the sake of his son, Jesus, who took your sin upon himself and gave his life for you. May the forgiveness that is yours today work in you the glorious freedom to serve God wholeheartedly by serving your neighbor passionately. Amen. Please be seated. We continue with our worship. Great is the Lord, He is holy and just. By His power we trust in His love. Great is the Lord, He is faithful and true. By His mercy He proves He is love. Great is the Lord and worthy of glory. Just as I am, we've sung it the last few Sundays. So as you catch on, please join in. In shackles and chains, I came to your door and fell on the floor of mercy. Guilty I stood. Guilty I was, I couldn't hide my shame, cause just as I am, just as I am.
saved a place amazing grace you came all the way to meet me carrying me home with a ring and a rope through your loving arms around me cause just as I the reference, you came all the way to meet me, carried me home with a ring and a robe, threw your loving arms around me. If you don't recognize that, uh, take a look at Luke 15 uh, for one of the most important parables Jesus tells. We continue with the prayer of the day. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good things do come. Lead us by the inspiration of your Spirit to think those things that are right, and by your goodness help us to do them. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with the reading of God's Word for today. Our lector is Charlie Eddy. Morning. Our first reading from God's Word is, the book of, is from the book of Acts, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. 
The reading begins on page 1,153 of the Red Bibles. In this passage, we discover the results of the persecution of early Christians, the expansion of the gospel reaching both Jew and Gentile. We are also introduced to Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. Acts 11, uh, 19 through 24. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Here ends the first reading for today. Our next reading is from the Apostle Paul's Epistle to the Church in Philippi, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The reading begins on page 1,229. The Epistle to the Philippians is one of Paul's most personal letters, written from prison to a church he dearly loved. In it, we find the tremendous witness of one whose heart was completely committed to Christ. Philippians 1, uh, 1 through 18. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord 
and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of, our go of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. True matter. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Because of this, I rejoice. Here ends our second reading. The Holy Gospel for today, chapter 15, beginning with the ninth verse. These are the words of our Lord. <clears throat> As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command love each other. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Dearly beloved of God, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I invite you to take out the red Bible that you find in the pew in front of you, to turn to page 1,229, where we find the book of Philippians, 1,229. <clears throat> we will be spending some time in Philippians uh, today and the next two Sundays as well. Um, as Charlie has already shared with us, this is one of Paul's most personal and heartfelt letters uh, to this congregation that he founded in a city called Philippi in northern Greece. Well, what was it that moved the apostle, to write this epistle? Why do we have it in our Bibles? And how is it that Paul's words written to this congregation are God's word to us today? Well, the concept of partnership is a key to understanding why Paul writes this letter. Partnership can assure you that while you are alone, you are not alone, but there are others there for you, perhaps rooting you on from a distance, supporting you. In this case, they're supporting Paul and his and their prayers and also financially supporting him. 
Partnership can be just the thing you need when you face a challenge that seems insurmountable. It can be your lifeline to keep you keeping on when the keeping on gets tough. What we have in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi is Paul having honed his legacy, the things that were most important to him in his life, adding up all of his experiences and sifting them, channeling them, distilling them to what was most important. It's one of Paul's last letters that he writes from prison. And so it would do us well to listen carefully to the apostle this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of Paul, your apostle, your chosen one. We thank you for these words which he penned to this congregation in Philippi. And we pray, O Lord, that your word today speak to us through these words of your servant, that each one of us here today would hear exactly what we need to hear from you, that we might be encouraged, we might be buoyed up, we might be strengthened in our faith and empowered with all that we need as you send us out into your world to build up your kingdom. We pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you were to receive a letter from someone in the mail, if it did not have a return address on it, you wouldn't know who it came from. You might look at the postage stamp and offer a guess. You might recognize the handwriting, but if there was no return address, you wouldn't know who sent the letter. You'd have to open it up. And as you opened it up, again, you might recognize by the handwriting, maybe by the stationery, but you wouldn't know who it was from until you got to the end, when it said, love so-and-so or sincerely, right? Epistles, written by the Apostle Paul, epistles are sort of opposite of that. The ones who are writing the letter identify themselves at the very outset, which I think makes a lot more sense. You know who the letter comes from at the very beginning. And so here in Philippians chapter 1, page 1,229, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy, that's where this epistle is coming from, these two people. How does Paul identify himself? He identifies himself as a servant. Now, it's interesting, I think, because Paul is in prison. He's in chains in a Roman prison. And Paul does not identify himself as a slave of the empire. He identifies himself as a servant of Christ. A servant of Christ. That's how Paul sees himself. And when he wants other people to see him, that's how he wants them to identify him as well. As a servant of Christ. The next words. of Christ Jesus. Now, you may read the words, or you might have heard Charlie read them, and immediately think to yourself, wait a minute, something's wrong. 
Christ Jesus? Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Did Charlie read it wrong? Is it a typo in our Bible? Christ is a Greek word, Christos, um, which is equivalent to the Hebrew word for Messiah. They both mean the anointed one, the one that God has chosen or selected for himself, set apart for himself. Christ is not a name, it's a title. And so it can come before or after the name of Jesus. You can substitute the word Messiah for it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Messiah Jesus. And then he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, to all the saints in Philippi. So who is Paul writing to? Is he writing to a bunch of super Christians? Are these guys and women who had things together? He calls them saints after all. No, they are just like you and me. They are saints, they are holy ones because they are saints in Christ Jesus. That's where they get their sainthood. That's where they get their holiness in their connection with Jesus. So in these opening verses, Paul identifies himself as a servant of Christ. He identifies the recipients of this letter, brings them together, holy ones in Christ. And Paul identifies the one who binds them together in loving fellowship, that is, Jesus Christ. Then we get to verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you, period. It's a complete thought. He doesn't move on to something quickly. He begins with this complete thought, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, translates the New American Standard. Now, what a wonderful way to begin as Paul is sharing his heart with this congregation. You can imagine yourself in the situation being chained in a Roman prison, not a very happy place. And you might think, you know, if I were in that situation, I would be complaining my head off. And if I'm going to be writing a letter, I'm going to let the person know exactly what's going on. But instead, Paul is concentrating on the people he's writing to. They come first in his epistle. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, he says. Now, I think that that is a verse that is worthy of memorization. Um, not just to have it in our heads, but in our hearts to learn to live lives that are thankful and appreciative and to convey that to people in our relationships, that we are thankful for them, that we are grateful for them, that they make a difference to us in our lives. Paul begins with this wonderful uh, expression of thanksgiving to this congregation that was so dear to him. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, he says, for all of you, I always pray with what? With joy. You still following along with me? I always pray with joy. Now that word joy and the word rejoice comes up again and again in this short letter that Paul writes. Again, Paul is in chains. 
and he expresses his joy, and he rejoices over this congregation that is so dear to him. I rejoice because of your partnership. There's the word. Your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This congregation had been faithful to support him from the very beginning, and they persisted in their support. And how important this was to Paul. He knew that he was not alone as he was there in the prison, but that he had others who were partnering with him in this time. Even as we have missionaries that we pray for on a weekly basis here in our congregation, and we support financially, it means so much to them when they are about their work and can so easily feel so alone out on the mission field. This partnership was precious for Paul. This genuine partnership that he had. He continues by saying, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul, again, is encouraging his audience that there is one who began a good work in them, that God has been the initiator in their lives, that God is the one who loved them first, that God is the one who has created faith in their hearts. And Paul encourages them by telling them that he is confident that God will continue to do his work in their lives, encouraging them to open themselves up to the work of God and allow God to do that in them, for God is at work. Paul will echo this in the next chapter, that God is at work within them. Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of with the effect of God's grace, God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul's pouring his heart out before these people. And part of that is because Paul is in prayer for them. For as you pray for someone, you will grow in your affection for that person. You'll grow in your longing if you cannot be present with that person. Paul was praying for this congregation and was expressing his affectionate longing for them. Now we are about to embark on a church-wide initiative here at Emmanuel. You'll hear more about this at our congregational meeting. And it has to do with the prayer list that we have included in our bulletins each Sunday. Some of you might recognize that we print them out every single Sunday. And that Jack, when he sends the email out to the congregation, will include that in the emails. We have a list of how many names? probably more than a hundred names. And for many of us, most of us, it's a list of names. They're just names. For most of us, we don't know the stories behind them. We don't know what's, what's going on with the people. They're names. So we want to, to work at this and develop this a little bit and invite the congregation to sort of adopt three or four people where you will commit yourself to praying for three or four chosen people. And as you pray regularly for these people, you'll get to know the situation. And guess what? 
you will grow in your affection for them, and your prayers will lead you to serve them in ways beyond prayer. We think that this will, be, this will serve to build our community, increase our faith, and move us forward as a congregation. You'll be hearing more about this churchwide initiative. But Paul is expressing his longing for them, his affection for them, as he is keeping them in their prayers. Now Paul continues in verse 9, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and depth of insight. Now I think it's true that as we grow in our faith in Christ, we grow in our capacity to love. We read in Scripture, I've already made reference to this, that we love because he first loved us. And as we open ourselves up to God's love, which is unfathomable, endless, um, God pours his love into us. That love continues to come from God into us, through us, toward others. As we grow in our faith, we grow in our capacity to love. But Paul is talking about something different, I think, here. He talks about knowledge and a depth of insight. Now, you may have heard someone say this before. You may have said this yourself. If he really loved me, right? You know what's coming. He would know. He would know what's going on with me. He would know what to do. The other person might say, well, if you really loved me, you might clue me in on what's going on with you. So I don't have to uncover this stuff and discover what's there and untangle all the stuff that's going on. Does this conversation sound at all familiar, right? Now, I suppose there's a bit of truth on both ends. Um, the person probably could share a little bit more about uh, their needs and be a little bit more expressive about what I need from you. But... There is some truth in if he really loved me or if she really loved me, she would know. And I think that's what Paul is getting to here in this passage. To grow in knowledge and depth of insight. Because I think what can happen in relationships sometimes, you get to know someone, you get to love them, but you get to know them so well that you know what's coming next. You know as she has started this sentence, you know what the next words are going to be. And so what do you do, guys? Kind of like this. It might not be physically, hopefully it's not physically, <laughs> but you might sort of shut down because after all, you know what's coming next. But Paul is encouraging us to continue to listen. Continue to listen and to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. As we continue to listen, we might be surprised. If we listen carefully, we might just learn one more thing that can help us to love someone more carefully. Not only do we grow in our capacity to love, but we grow in depth of insight so that you may be able to 
may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. There's much more we could say, but let's move down to verse 12 as Paul is going to say something very important here. Paul is addressing what we might say is a narrative that's out there. Paul is addressing what other people are saying about him. Sort of somebody telling Paul's story. Paul's imprisoned, after all. He's chained. And it seems that when a person is in the public eye, there's always something that somebody can look at and point out and say is wrong, right? There's always something that can be seen and be put in a negative light, and a story can be created. A narrative can be told. A story can be told about why that person is where they are. And so there were some who might well have said that Paul was in prison because he had done something wrong. He was just too forceful when he was preaching Christ. He should have been more careful. And he's getting what he deserved. And some would say, as they were looking at Paul who was imprisoned, some might say, well, what does this mean? Does it mean that evil has won out? That one of God's messengers, one of God's apostles has been chained up? Has Satan won this battle? Paul says, listen, let me tell you how it really is. Let me tell you how you should view this. Let me give you a new narrative. I'm going to tell you a new story. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to do what? Advance the gospel. Paul is saying this is not a step back. This is not a lose for God. I guess the word is loss. This is not a loss for God. This is a win. This is an advancement of the gospel. Paul goes on to tell why. In verse 13, he says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. It's Paul's ID bracelet, those chains. Those chains confess who Paul is. He is a servant of Christ, even as he identified himself at the very beginning. He is in chains for Christ. And whenever anyone asks him, he is more than willing to tell his story. This has served as an advancement for the gospel. So whenever you think of me in chains, Paul says, don't be dejected, don't be discouraged. Know that Christ is winning in this. More than that, he says, because of my chains, verse 14, most of the brothers in the Lord have been more, most of the brothers have been encouraged to speak the word of God, how? More courageously and fearlessly. So far from other apostles saying, boy, I better watch my P's and Q's, right? I don't want to end up like Paul in chains. Instead, they are encouraged. They're speaking more boldly, more confidently of Christ. Paul's chains have emboldened them. 
more than these two things. I'm going to get to the end here. And that is that Paul's chains, Paul's physical chains, remind him that his spiritual chains have been unhinged. That Paul's spiritual chains have been released. That Christ has redeemed him from the chains of sin that bound him. Christ has redeemed him from the power of death. And that redemption that Paul has received is way more important than any physical chains, earthly chains that could bind him. That's in Christ. Redemption. That was the Apostle Paul's. Is there for you too in Christ. Your sin forgiven, your spirit set free to serve God and neighbor. How will the redemption that you have received play out? What will you do now? Now that you have been unchained in Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your mighty work which you have accomplished for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for the tremendous witness of your apostle, for his great attitude as he puts things in divine perspective to know that being unchained from sin, being set free by you, is more important than any hardship we can face here on this earth. May we be encouraged by these words. May you continue to work your word in us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.
chains wipe away every stain. Almighty God, we thank you for the redemption that you have brought for us and bought for us in our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Help us to shake off the heavy chains that we still carry around with us. Help us to experience the freedom of spirit that you have won for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Oh Lord, as we look back this past week, remembering Cinco de Mayo, we pray for the governments of both the United States and Mexico, that there would be fair and reasonable enforcement of immigration laws. We pray that we would each have an attitude informed by scripture as we try to understand and discuss important issues. We thank you, God, for our neighbors to the south as we seek opportunities to love our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy. As we look back on this past week and remember the National Day of Prayer, let us pray that our nation is on God's side. We pray for ourselves, that our use of time and resources, our choice of words and energy and action will bear lasting fruits of peace, hope, and love. Strengthen us with your power. Lord, in your mercy. We rejoice, O oh Lord, that you know all of our needs, and still as a congregation we lift before you your servants Robert Heiler, Mark Gaetano, Dave Cabral, and Annie Tumala. We thank you for your work of healing that you are bringing about for them. We assure them that they are your beloved children. On this day we thank you for Christopher Van Gelder and David Peters as they celebrate their birthdays. Lord, open their eyes to how much you cherish them, for what a gift they are to our faith community, their family, and friends. 
We pray for the families of those who grieve the loss of loved ones, including the families of Aileen Roddenberg, David Dalporto, and Dan Caroli. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, Lord, we pray for our partners in ministry who bear your word in foreign places. We pray for the Stone family, the Pixleys, the Wicks, and the Shalhoubs. May they be reassured of the partnership we share in you. Lord, in your mercy. It is into your hands, O Lord, that we commend all for whom we pray. With these spoken prayers and the silent prayers of our hearts, trusting in your mercy, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated as we continue with our offering. God, use these gifts as a means to testify to your great love for the world, revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. May they serve to extend hope to those who are suffering, fearful, or discouraged. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here in this place, we remember that in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We join together in our Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. beloved of God. This is the Lord's table. Jesus is the host of this meal, and Jesus welcomes all to it. Uh, you, as you, come be, as you come down the center aisle this morning, you will receive a wafer. You're invited to reserve the wafer to dip into the wine or the grape juice which follows. Receive both elements at the same time. Please come. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He rests
now the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you in his grace now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the close of our service. Receive now the blessing for the journey. And now the Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, open your eyes to beauty, sustain you in hope, and guide you this day and always. Amen. And also with you. Doesn't really seem to make sense there, but thank you. <laughs> Our closing sending song is Ancient of Days. Uh, after the conclusion of this song, uh, you're all invited to make your way to the fellowship hall for our meeting. over there at the fellowship hall for the meeting. All right. Get it.